2. For so very long, it's been... Go on, George. Tell how it's gonna be. But in the end, the commission only said... We figured it 17 different ways. And every time we figured it, it was no good. Because no matter how we figured it... But no matter how you figure it out, I still don't get as much as anybody else. Somebody don't like the way we figured it. So now, there's only one way to figure it. And that is every man for himself. When this is the end. It's the end of the world. It's the end of the world as we know it. Or is it now? As a new year hits, through it all, Beaver Nation moves ahead with resiliency and hope. Sun's up. Mm-hmm. Looks okay. The world survives into another day. And the way forward goes through, as it must, The Joe Beaver Show with John Warren and Mike Parker. Yeah, a number of times I heard these guys' voices over and over and over. Still can't find it. Ah, can't find it? We can help. This here is 1240. 1240. It's always been 1240. My client says it's 1240. Yeah, plus 93.7 FM and streaming live at KEJOAM.com and on the KEJO app. It's the Joe Beaver Show. Did it, what happened to the board? Did it turn your mic on? One. <laughs> Here I we go. Yours on and not mine. Why am I thinking it's two and not one? Anyway, uh, yes, it is the Joe Beaver Show. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this Friday edition of the program. Well, we had a great time at Ace Hardware yesterday in Corvallis. My goodness, a lot of people. Um, the weather was great. We uh, we had great guests. Well, <laughs> the people we were talking we tried. to there, we tried. The phone system was down. We know for sure this is all working. Oh, out. I heard dial tone and everything. Okay. It was so funny. It's like, all right, Tom McKim coming up. I'm like, got you guys. Here we go. Yeah. You you can hear the dial tone. Yeah, yeah crystal good. clear. And I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> I'm not trained in this. It actually worked out pretty well because we get Todd McKim to ourselves. So he'll join us at 1130. Former Cal broadcaster was there for a long time. I'm not sure how long he was there. We'll have to talk to him about that. He's fully retired now, but uh, only this year being the first year. And he's very, very up on all of what's going on, not just with California, but with the Pac-12 conference. And has, he goes all the way back to well before me uh, to the Pac-8 back in the 70s. Todd was here working on two different uh, television stations doing coaches shows with uh, Rich Brooks from Oregon and doing stuff with, uh, I think, coaches shows with Ralph Miller. And so Todd goes back a long way. And he's a regular on the program. He's a friend of the show. There's no doubt about it. And one of the nicest people you're ever going to want to meet. So Todd McKim coming up at uh, 11.30 this morning. At 12.05, Mike gave me this just today. I don't know how they crossed paths or what, what, how Mike found out. But Jeff Van Orso, and I wish we had the call. I don't think the, the Learfield site goes back this far to 2006. But if we could get back to the 2006 call, Oregon State, USC, the Beavers leading 30 to 10 at one point. It was a blowout. But I do remember, I can't remember who the linebacker was, but he was big for the time. And he, I saw him. I was looking through from the press box with through my glasses down, and he rallied everybody on the sideline and just got everybody going. And I thought, oh, oh, here we go. They were going to get their best shot. And there was still a quarter and a half left. It was the beginning of the third quarter, so almost two quarters left. And, and the Beavers uh, had to stave off a 
a last second, well, not a last second, a two-point conversion try. Jeff Van Orso knocks it down, and the Beavers win the game. And uh, Van Orso, I think, was his senior year in 2006. He was getting his pilot's license at the time. Turns out he will be the Beavers' pilot this weekend, taking them. What a coincidence. And everybody (laughs) down to Memorial Stadium, down to California, and then back, I guess. We'll have to ask him how it works because he's a commercial pilot uh, pilot for Alaska Airlines. And Jeff Van Horso will be uh, will be a, uh, the captain. He'll be he'll be flying the plane. There's another person in there, um, and I don't have it in my notes in front of me, who is with him, and has Beaver connections as the co-pilot. Wow! So two former Beavers are going down to are are flying the Beavers down and back to California this weekend. So he's coming up at twelve oh five, and then at twelve thirty. What do we have at 12.30? That's Jeff Van Orso. Yeah, he's yeah. at 12.30. Felipe, Felipe Palazzo of Felipe men's basketball. Felipe Palazzo, men's, men's basketball, basketball at 12.05. So it'll be good. So that'll be great. And tons of topics. We also have the Ace gift card giveaway that you and I are doing. So here's the deal. We have an extra one, so we're going to give away two. I feel today. like I have a lot of responsibility today. Yeah, for all the people who, uh, who have been texting in since, I think we started this on Tuesday. Um, in fact, I could look at it and see how many people we have, but for everybody who's texted in, thank you very much. Anybody who hasn't yet text the word ACE, text the word ACE to our university Honda text line, which is 541-497-5356, 541-497-5356, 75 people have uh, successfully texted their word in. That's pretty good. That's probably the most we've ever gotten for a contest here on Joe. It, it certainly out, outdoes any contest I've done on the morning show. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, 75 people have texted in. Here's the good news. It was going to be for one $50 gift card to the new Ace Hardware in Corvallis in the Winco Shopping Mall, Timber Hill Shopping Center. Um, but I have two of those to give away. So we're going to have two winners on that today. And we'll do that around 12.55, just before we wrap up the program. And, TJ, we've got several really good topics to throw out there for people to join in. And I think one that is it, it's that underlying tone that never goes away. And that is realignment, the wretched 10, the traitorous 10, all of that. It never goes away. And I, I had to laugh yesterday. We didn't get to it as a topic, but as I'm getting ready and setting up for the Joe Beaver show in Corvallis, I, I look on Twitter to make sure I'm not missing any last second things. And all of the the news came out about how the Big Ten had released its new schedule with Oregon and Washington as a part of it. They had to scrap the one they did with USC and UCLA. And then just looking at some of the trips that Oregon is going to have to take is uh, just looking at those trips. Angie, uh, Angie Machado actually tweeted, retweeted a tweet and commented on a tweet from somebody else that basically looked at this year's road air miles for Oregon is essentially 4,500 miles for their, for what they're doing in the PAC 12 conference mm-hmm. next year goes up to 12,000. So an extra 8,000 air miles for, for Oregon uh, football to, to get where they're going. And, and I think only one trip under a thousand miles through the air. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting, by the way, a correction on, um, on the pilot situation. So Jeff Van Orso is going to be the co-pilot and Andy Poorman, is the main pilot. We, you've heard of us talk about caller Sue Porman. It goes way back to, to Mike's old days at, uh, up in Portland. And uh, this is her son, Andy Porman. He's the pilot. Jeff's the co-pilot. And Canon Sue Porman 
legendary beavers. And uh, Andy also went to Oregon State. So two beavers flying the plane to get to Cal and back. That's really something. Like To your point on this Oregon schedule, I think my main takeaway from this, it's not it's not the miles here. Like We knew about the miles, but once we have this all visualized, and I'm looking at this home slate for Oregon, it, could a Duck fan like look me in the face and tell me with a straight face that this home schedule is better than than what they had is like is it are you actually more excited to watch some of these matchups i i got to be honest in 2024 the ducks at home will have ohio state that will be a marquee matchup a matchup we were robbed of in the 2020 covid season when they weren't doing any non conference games but besides that are you telling me the games against illinois Maryland and Michigan State make you jump up and down and go, oh my God, that's amazing. They won't play Washington. They're going to play the Huskies every single season. That's their protected matchup. And then what about in 2025? In Indiana, Minnesota, USC, who you'd play anyway in Pac-12 play, and Wisconsin, which is a good matchup, one that you could probably schedule in non-conference. But that's it. Well, like... There's nothing, I, I, I just don't feel like, are you actually jumping up and down in excitement that in 2026 you're going to have Northwestern come to your building? Is that exciting? <laughs> Is that? It kind of would be if you weren't in the league because it's how often do you get a Big Ten team come to your place? I guess, but now it's going to be normal. Right. So is is that more exciting? I don't know, man. The, the money, sure hope the money is worth it because otherwise it's just... It just—it's so weird to look at. And, it's and, so, and so we, weird. We've got Dave on the line, and before I I pick up the phone and get to Dave to ask this question, hopefully Dave will have an answer. But I want to throw this out to Beaver Nation and our University Honda text line, the phone line, downward dog phone line four nine seven five three five six. To go along with this story, you piggyback a story in the Oregonian about. Uh, Dana Altman at Oregon for yeah. basketball. Now he, he was on record in an article today that saying, look, I, we, we want to keep playing Oregon state. So I, I haven't talked to Wayne yet, but we're going to talk to Wayne and see if we can maybe have a game or I don't know if it's home and home or one game a year. I don't know, but basically play them every year in either November or December and keep that going. 362, I think is the number right now. Most often played rivalry between two schools in all of America is Oregon and Oregon State of men's basketball. And Dana Altman wants to keep it going, and he's going to talk to Wayne about that, which prompted me this morning in reading that story. Okay, let me ask you, the listener, and we'll go to Dave real quick. Would you want to keep playing basketball? And that takes you then, Dave, to the next part of the question, and that is, and again, anybody listening, let's let's be a, have this as a conversation. Do you want to play Oregon in any of the other sports? And Dave, my initial reaction, and TJ and I talked about this, or no, Doug and I talked about this, and we're both on the same page is no more football. Fine. Go away. We hate you. You, you, you screwed us all. However, other sports need to have geographically close teams. And you'll always in baseball. It's, it's everybody who's close. You'll play. You got to fix that. Uh, get up that 56 game schedule. Same with the others, the other sports. So I'm a little bit more. Okay. Keeping the rivalry alive with Oregon when it comes to other sports than football. And if that's not what you called in for Dave, what say you? Well, I'm ambivalent, John, and good morning, TJ. And I guess it depends on the outcome of intervening events. Um, but uh, 
and and how much of a payday it is. For, I mean, the only one that pays would be a football yeah. uh, a matchup. And so it depends. Uh, I'm ambivalent. I go back and forth. Uh, if uh, if the if um, uh, being able to play high level competition is a challenge, that probably argues in favor of keeping those games. Mm-hmm. But if that problem is solved solved through other means and arrangements, uh, depending on the conference, the TV arrangements, etc., uh, then I could I could see myself kind of washing my hands of it. Uh, so I could go either way at this point, John. But I did call in regard to our favorite re- uh, recurring topic. And I'll, I'll, this will be kind of eclectic. I'll jump around a little bit. But it's, first of all, it's worthy of remark, just looking at this weekend's schedule. And I'm thinking of Kalen DeBoer, the big, the stupidest man in the conference. <laughs> um, this weekend, three Big Ten games are streamed on the Peacock Network. Rutgers at Wisconsin. Purdue at Iowa, and Michigan at at Minnesota. That's where those games are. That's not linear TV, Coach DeBoer. That's a streaming network arrangement. Got it? Okay. So we've got that out of the way. But I'm wondering if you guys are following at all the the continuing dust-up between game day and Cougar Nation, and I'm sorry that Oregon State has such a recessive profile on this. This has been true from the beginning, and this has come across as a criticism, so be it. This is the truth as I see it. Maybe I'm biased because I live in the state of Washington. The heavy water in terms of public relations and, and otherwise in this battle is being carried by the kooks. That's just the way I see it, guys. The heavy lifting is being carried by them. And, um, and so I have on good authority that there will be hundreds of cougar flags either at game day when it's in Seattle next week, inevitably as it will be, because Oregon and Washington aren't playing this week. So they'll be undefeated. Those clowns, McAfee and Corso, basically mm-hmm. among them, will be in Seattle. But I understand on authority there will be hundreds of cougar flags uh, up in Seattle that day. Now, I can't expect Beaver Nation to be up there in number because we've got our own fish to fry with UCLA that weekend. But this story, uh, John, how many times have I called in and said, what has happened to Oregon State and Washington State, despite neon, neon, whatever, long-term, this is the biggest story in college sports. And the reason it's not apparently the biggest story is that the media itself is complicit in it, and they won't give air to the story as Drake Toll and Immaculate did on Lockdown Big 12. I watch those guys every day, by the way. It's a great podcast. Uh, everyone in Beaver Nation should be listening to what Drake uh, has to say. Uh, and by the way, an, an allied site, the athletic director for Baylor, when asked, do you think Oregon State and Washington State are coming to the conferences? Well, there hasn't been any talk about it, but I wouldn't rule it out in the future. Huh. And so this goes back to another recurring theme of mine. Oregon State and Washington State are not, are not likely going to be in any conference next year except the Pac-2 because the schedules are out. 
Big Ten has already redone the schedule. I'm yeah. not going to do it another time. Yeah. Big 12, probably the same. So we're going to be in the, in the Pac-12. But the Washington Post, who had a reporter on the phone call, the joint press conference, the four-way press conference before the game over in Pullman, had a, had a major debrief on, on the degradation, the mean-spiritedness of Corso and McAfee and how, how, how retrograde that show has become because basically they've orphaned people like Washington State and now they, now they mock them for their, for their own complicity in the predicament Washington State finds themselves in. And I'll just close with this, John, if you want a dialogue, fine. Because this is the week the world turns upside down in terms of my call to the Joe Beaver Show. Because like the estimable John Warren, Pat Casey said something (laughs) earlier in the week I wanted to push back against. And I never thought I'd ever... And maybe I just misunderstood Pat. But I'm in here today to, to sing the praises of John Canzano because he had an allied story about the buffoonishness of McAfee and that show and the treatment of, of, of the old Crimson and Big Beave or whatever they call it. I'll just close with this. This is the biggest story in, in college sports. Oregon State and Washington State have, have yet, the full reckoning is yet to play out. It's now looking like it's going to be the Pac-2. They're going to get hundreds of millions. Of, they're going to get tens of millions of dollars. They're going to schedule aggressively out of conference. Uh, and uh, they're biding their time a couple of years until there's the next round of reorganization. That's my call for today, unless you want to dialogue further, John. I do. I do. And a lot of times when you call, you keep it going, and I have like 10 questions in there. And so now I'm going to get them in. Rapid fire. What did McAfee show? What happened on that show? Because I didn't watch this week's show to see what the follow-up was although i did say see a couple of minutes where he was discussing it with someone was there further mockery of or of washington state and as a byproduct it, oregon state as well it, it was worse mockery of course you'll recall that this all started two weeks ago when the script i mean corso that's just he should retire i'm sorry and yeah. Herb Street, who kind of sees him like a father, defended him. He can't say anything without a script in front of him. I could go elsewhere with that. I won't. You shouldn't mock the afflicted. But he should retire. He's outlived his usefulness uh, and value to that show. So they bring it. And so he got into a little spat with Coach Dickert about the, the no one wants to watch us bowl. So there was some byplay after that. Ryan Lee's got on it. Dickert apologized. I mean, he did all he could. He's trying to defuse the situation. So last week, McAfee, they, they inevitably get to the spot where they show old Crimson and the beaver flag, and McAfee says, I'm tired of these guys. I mean, why, do, why are we paying any attention? Right, to them? right. Were they here when they were 1 and 10? Were they here when they were 2 and 9? Right, right. And I would just only encourage you to read the Washington Post story. They, McAfee and that show is simply eviscerated by a national outlet, Washington Post, second or third leading paper in this country, that show has humiliated himself, itself, because of their deportment on this issue, guys. Okay, now let me ask you this. I thought about this, I don't remember when, but you know when I'm just doing stuff in my yard, things pop into my head. What about not going to game day 
ever again and having making sure there's no Cougar flan, uh, fans on game day, no Cougar flags. That's an alternative scenario, John. It has some, it has some merit, but I like I, my initial reaction when I heard the report, there might be 500 to 1,000 Cougar flags when they're at yeah, the that would be cool. I like the look and sound of that. Yeah, now. I mean, I, both. Attractive. Yeah, both ideas are are getting the same point across. Um, so, and maybe five hundred on the Husky Duck game, and then none the rest of the way. Go go all over to to Big Noon kickoff on Fox. But I guess Dave, well, before you before you respond, I'm curious if if the flags go away, John, is that not McAfee winning? Don't do you not want him? I'm just to, throwing it out there because if the flags go away, the message I would think is, you know what? We're going somewhere else and you go to big moon kickoff and you don't have anything to do with that's it. That's what he wants. I, th- well, I feel like he, the, you want to give him something. He's he just doesn't being an want. idiot. And Dave, we have to go because there's a caller that's on hold right now that says that on last night's McAfee show, he spent like 15 minutes apologizing for the whole thing. I well, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll hang up now. I'm looking forward to hearing this. Uh, I'm, I'm not surprised because, his his boorishness uh, uh, is what precipitated that apology because it went national. I got to get going too because I'm going to try to get on Russo's show and rip them there too. <laughs> All right, good. Thanks, Dave. Good luck tomorrow. Thanks. Okay, uh, let's go to John. Be John. Before we get started, I just want to say to Dave, I, I agree. I, I'm I was just so upset with that attitude and how they can do that and how cocky they are as a network to allow that to happen and all that i will agree though that i think that it was misunderstood that corso said the nobody cares bowl to the nobody wants to watch bowl or to the uh, nobody cares meaning meaning poor oregon state and washington state look at the horrible situation they're in and they're playing each other and no one's going to watch that's what i think corso meant i don't think he meant Ah, who cares about Oregon State and Washington State? I don't think he meant that. Anyway, John, tell me, tell us what you just told me off the air, and we got to do it quickly because we have a guest in three minutes. Sure. As background, uh, McAfee, as I said, went on for 10, 15 minutes, uh, apologizing profusely. He said the reason that they had attacked Oregon State, or especially Washington State, was that he felt that they had insulted an 80-year-old or 88-year-old Lee Corso, mm-hmm. who by implication was unable to defend himself, and that's why he got so mad. And that However, he went, on, he, he went off from there to say that uh, that the reason that he was kind of going on about it beyond the Corso business was that he did not realize that people at Oregon State and Washington State were actually afraid of losing the football programs. And he seemed very sincere, and he ended up uh, really uh, saying how ridiculous it was, and that both schools should end up in a pack, you know, in a Power Five conference, and repeating himself over and over and over again. And I think the apology was sincere, but you know, he went and they, as you say, they're, they're kind of highfalutin at that thing, and he went and, and, and kind of shot his bolt without really finding out what was going on. Yeah. But he did genuinely apologize. Okay. Now that's yeah. good. That's good to hear. Sounds like he misjudged the situation he was attacking. I don't. Yeah. I, it doesn't sound like he totally understood what the two programs are facing. I think that's what I take away from that. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's, okay, that's, and he said that. Right. John, thanks for the the call and the update on that. We got to go. Thank you, John. Um, look, if someone's uh, sorry for doing something and they they literally say I'm sorry. I, I'd be nice if they could say, I hope you forgive me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
That's what we're commanded to do, and, and I do. But you don't, I'd like to see it. Now, the good thing for YouTube is I can go back and watch it later today. You don't have to forgive them, too. The thing about people apologizing is they realize they screwed up. And as, uh, an apology is asking for forgiveness, whether they do it directly or right, not. Right. You don't have to give it to them. You don't have to forgive Mac if you don't have to go watch his show. That's It's entirely up to you. You don't have to watch Game Day. But, you know, I, I think that's how, how I put it. You you don't have to forgive Mac no. just because he said that. But if you want to. Go, go for it. If, if it was a sincere apology and he was just not up to date on yeah, what I, really I, I is wish, going on. I wish then... that the, uh, I, I wish that uh, either Herb Street or uh, can't think of him now would have stepped in and, and interrupted or, or Reese. Yeah, yeah. Reese interrupted not only McAfee, but before him, even uh, with, uh, Lee. They were... no, with, um, I swear I must have dementia. I can't think of his name. Howard. Oh, uh, uh, Desmond Howard. Desmond Howard. Right. He started by saying this whole monologue about uh, criticizing the elderly, and it came on the heels of playing the, the, the Ryan Day bites right, and the other bites. So that's kind of how it started, and then McAfee went on this thing. And you know, on the show and the way McAfee is, I, I, I know those kind of people. I've been that way before. You you're over the top. It's all dramatic. It's all showy. It's all this. Mm -hmm. You're hyped about the crowd. You're on TV and you're, you're making this big to do and it's all drama and it's all show. And, and, and so he let himself go, go even more. Well, what are they, where were they when they were one and 11 and, and then getting kind of digging himself a little bit of a hole and, uh, you know, Herb street and, and the others were just kind of sitting there kind of laughing. And, and I don't know, I, it, if, if he didn't do that, he probably wouldn't have to give a big old 15 minute apology. Nope. But at the same time, I think that what's happening is that that we have feelings against the network because we feel, we being the fan base of the t one of the two teams left out, feeling that they had a lot to do with the situation that the Beavers and Cougars are in, and it, and it's wrong. And we have those feelings at the same time that we're about to play a very important game. We're two really good programs this year, nationally, really good programs. And I can't wait for the UCLA Cougar game tomorrow. And... And then they go and mock this whole thing, and then they're mm -hmm. going to go and have their cake and eat it too, as noted by the schedule that came out yesterday for next year in the Big Ten Conference. Yeah. And that makes us feel pretty ticked off. Yeah. I have more to add to this, but I know we got to get to a break, so I will save it until after Todd McKim. Todd McKim coming up after this short break on 1240 Joe Radio. We set them up, you knock them down. Street Corvallis. Why is Woodstock's Pizza all kinds of pizza for all kinds of people? Because no matter who you are or where you're from, you can create the perfect pizza at Woodstock's. So you can choose from over 35 fresh toppings, four made fresh daily crust options, several cheese options, including vegan and dairy-free, and six sauce options, including vegan and dairy-free, all to go along with your choice of dine-in, takeout, or delivery to most of Corvallis. So Woodstock's Pizza is all kinds of pizza for all kinds of people. Woodstock's Pizza, Kings Boulevard in Corvallis. 
As a locally owned company for 24 years, the Barbers is excited to support the Beavers and youth athletics throughout the area. Come in and get the works. A full-service experience, including a precise haircut, a relaxing shampoo, scalp massage, and hot leather neck shave. When it comes to men's grooming, nothing beats a true barbershop experience. The Barbers are now doing same-day appointments, so stop by and get yourself ready for game day. Find a location near you at thebarbersonline.com. The Barbers, where guys go for great cuts. Futon Man isn't just about futons anymore. In addition to futons, futon frames, and covers, Futon Man now also carries platform beds, bunk beds, and can even make custom mattresses for your RV. So if you're expecting out-of-town guests and you're not sure where they're going to sleep, you could add on a bedroom to the house. Or an easier solution would be to stop by Futon Man, two miles north of Corvallis on Highway 99 or online at futon-man.com. Happy October from Peoria Road Farm Market, now with Jana Gold, Fuji, Honeycrisp, and more apple varieties in stock. Also find pears, peppers, hazelnuts, and more seasonal produce. Celebrate the season with fall decor, winter squash, and pumpkins. Peoria Road Farm Market also has hay rides to the pumpkin patch on weekends. Great fun for the family. For fresh local produce and fall decor, stop by Peoria Road Farm Market in Corvallis off Highway 34. Follow the Peoria Road Farm Market Facebook page for updates. All right, we welcome you back to the program. I'm just going to tell uh, young TJ here, young Theodore, about our next guest. You you weren't here. Uh, you weren't born. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. But Todd McKim spent so much time here, so many great years in the Mid-Valley, uh, in Eugene on two different television stations, working with Oregon mostly, but as Todd will tell us, I think he did a lot with Ralph Miller and the Oregon State program I remember back in the day. I remember... Uh, watching Todd's work and, and listening to Todd for so many years and, and, and I know he's coming up and kind of embarrassing, but he's one of the nicest people you're ever going to meet in the business. And now Todd is retired. And I just want to say a, a, a hearty congratulations for you for all your hard work. Are you enjoying not having responsibilities? Yes, I am, John. <laughs> I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Gives me a chance on Saturday to be a couch potato and watch all these great college football games, and I'm just uh, enjoying things. You bet. It's uh, it's been a, a great. Uh, I guess it's been last time I did a game would have been nine months ago. I guess. Yeah. So it's been fun. There's a lot of things I miss, obviously, but I am enjoying things. I, I have a kind of a, a side question on that note because I felt this way. I'm 58 now. Been doing it for 33 years, and. And, you know, when you do these jobs, and I don't know if you've ever done talk shows, but you take shots, especially nowadays with social media and people who can get to you. Uh, a lot of it's invited. We want people to write in on the University Honda text line. But the, you, you take so many shots, either that or you have deadlines or travel, all of that. And I, I often say to myself, you know, I think I'll become a bigger fan. I'll be able to get back to being a fan of sports when I retire because now it's all work and it's all kind of a defensive deflection. It seems, did you ever feel that way? Like if you could just not have the responsibility, you become a bigger fan. You know, I didn't really think about that maybe till later in my career. And I probably thought about it more after I got out of the daily sports news, television broadcasting business where I was doing right four deadlines a day. And that can be a little well, more than a little stressful, you can never be late, right? You, can, you can't be a minute late because you're on the air. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when that burden got released, when I moved down to California to work at Cal after working, as you mentioned, a couple of stations in 
Eugene. That, that's when I uh, appreciated uh, things a little bit more and how less stressful it was uh, to just do games and, you know, podcasts and that kind of stuff. But not to have that daily, you know, four deadlines per day really made things a lot more enjoyable. Um, and you could, you could become a little bit more of a fan. But you, you do get, you know, engrossed in the team or teams that you're covering, too. I mean, you're, yeah. you're all in with Oregon State, okay? And, yeah. and I was all in with, at one point in time, it was Oregon. I was all in with Oregon State when I worked with the Beavers, and I was all in when I was at Cal. So you, you become more of, more of a fan of that team at the time than maybe you, you would at, at any other point in time. But now I'm just, I'm just a fan of watching college football. Yeah. Okay? And I won't say I'll watch any game. You know, it's got to have some interest to me. But uh, if there's a game on, I usually find it, and if it's an interesting game, I'll probably watch the thing. Do you? Uh, what 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 are some of your memories from working with Oregon State and Ralph Miller? I mean, you were doing. Did you do coaches shows with Ralph? For two years, God bless him. Ralph would drive his Cadillac from Corvallis down to Eugene, <laughs> K E Z I, and I think we take those on Tuesday nights. Um, and so for two years, we did a basketball half hour coaches show, and then. Uh, we did some, I mean, we did specials throughout the course of the time, but it was primarily Ralph. I, we did some things with Dennis Erickson, but it wasn't a full-blown coaching show. When I was at KVAL-TV, we did a, 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 like a Sunday night, you know, Beaver Sports rap show uh, at like 11.30. So those were the two, you know, major shows that we did that were in addition to the daily, weekly, monthly coverage of Oregon State either basketball, football, or as I was leaving, that's when Pat Casey really got it going for baseball. Yeah. The last year I was there was Pat's first uh, College World Series championship. And we probably should have done more, but quite frankly, at the time, it was almost shocking. That's mm-hmm. what oh, yeah. was going on. And as I look back on it, we should have done a lot more with baseball uh, in the latter stages of my stay in Eugene. And probably, probably we did. We, we covered most of the home games. We, we try to hustle up there and get some highlights, but sure. to do additional shows, we just we probably weren't on top of it like we should have been. My colleague Doug Blair has a great story about being in Seattle the day after the '85 upset of the Huskies and watching the Don James show, much like you did shows with the with the coaches, which we were talking about. And he said, uh, "Whatever channel it was, I don't remember who the the reporter, you know, who the interlocutor was with Don James, but he said Don James." And his hair looked like he'd been up all night. And the, the, the questioner just couldn't stop saying, Don, how did you lose to the Beavers over and over and over again? Did you have any, uh, any interactions with any of the coaches, Rich Brooks or anybody that now you look back and kind of go, yeah, that was a funny one. It wasn't funny at the time. Well, I remember 1982, that was my, would have been my third fall in Eugene. And, um, I was doing the Rich Brooks show, and if I remember, I can't remember what game it was, but we, we had a little stage that was kind of a, made up of four components that were connected or loosely connected in the <laughs> middle. Yeah. And we had this small little, it couldn't have been more than a 12-inch monitor that we were looking at the highlights. So, you know, the highlights would be showing on air, and we, Rich and I would be talking about the highlights, and he was doing most of the talking, explaining why it happened and the down and distances, that and the other. And he leaned over to get a closer look, and he got the wheel of his chair stuck <laughs> in the confluence 
of the four sections. <laughs> and he, he fell over. He fell out of his chair. Oh. And I, I couldn't stop laughing. You know, we, we, we probably went through eight or ten plays before either one of us could compose ourselves. <laughs> and, and you're hearing this scruffy noise in the background. We're trying to get our chairs upright. So I remember that. And I, I think it was also 1982 where they scored a total of 11 touchdowns for the season. And we had a 60-minute show each week. Oh. So pencil that out. That's like one touchdown per show. <laughs> you know, it's not really a highlight show. It's like, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> and, and, and only, I think only eight of them were offensive touchdowns. I think they had a kick return and it blocked a punt. So it was like, it was really <laughs> difficult to get through that. Um, but we, I also had some great times as well with a lot of, a lot of people up to both Oregon and Oregon State. You know, Ralph, we go up there on Tuesdays during the Pac-10 season, I guess, at that point in time. Yeah. And um, we would uh, tape a segment for halftime of a game we were doing or some, something else. We'd go up on Tuesdays for like a five-minute segment. I'd be in his office for an hour just listening to him tell stories about yeah. the history of basketball. And it's so educational, so interesting. I mean, it's very... Now, you know, Ralph had a tendency to bark was a little bit you know, worse than the, yeah. worse than the bite. Yeah. He, was, he was a pretty good guy once you got his trust. Okay, you had to have that. But it, it was so educational, so entertaining. I just loved those moments uh, sitting down with him. I enjoyed my time with Dennis Erickson, Mike Riley as well, one of the great guys sure. of all time. All those people were just super people to work with, and I, I treasure all those moments. Last thing on this, and great anecdotes, um, Brooks being as fierce of a competitor as he is, was there ever a loss that you had to do the show the next day with him where it was really uncomfortable? Like, you know, oh boy, I don't really want to do this because of his competitiveness. He's very competitive. And oftentimes, John, quite frankly, he was better after a loss than a win and, <laughs> and go figure. But that's the way it was sometimes. And he had a bad neck. He's always you're rolling his neck and he's in pain. And, uh, you know, he was, um, very, as you met, very intense, very, very competitive. Uh, and so as the highlights are playing, you could see him wincing and, you know, not, you know gnashing his teeth, uh, <laughs> over certain plays that I'm sure he wished his team had had back. But, um, you know, you got through it. I mean, you, you just, you try to do the best you can, um, and, and, and go from there and, and try to then format the show so you can, you can put it in the best possible light. I mean, even if you're, you lose, I mean, I remember they went back in Nebraska and lost about 150 to nothing. They had to come back and do a show. But you, you just try to make the best of the situation and try to have something else in the show yeah. that was positive, whether it was a player feature or some kind of you know, something else around the program that would give it a positive spin. That was kind of what you wanted to do in a coaching show. Todd McKim joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. Todd, this is TJ sitting in Mike's spot today. Want to switch gears a little bit and 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 get to football? You've gotten a chance to now watch a lot more college football, but I'm sure if California's on your screen, you you put them on and you watch them. So off of that, what have you seen from from this California team that the Beavers will face tomorrow? Well, they're a team that's played pretty good defense. I don't think it would be considered great by their standards. Certainly, maybe by the standards they've had in previous years, but it's a pretty solid defense. Um, they don't have glaring holes. They, they are probably a little concerned about the lack of a consistent pass rush and edge rusher. Um, the one thing that they've done extremely well defensively is take the ball away. I think they're second in the country in takeaways with 13, and they've been good the last couple of years in that category. So that's kind of what they need to do 
uh, as they head down the home stretch starting tomorrow night against Oregon State. Offensively, a new coordinator uh, who's back after being with um, a, a couple of programs. He's with Dana Holmgren at the West Virginia, and then Stavita always uh, had his own program for a couple of years. They, they've struggled. Uh, they run the ball pretty good. In fact, this game is going to feature the top two rushers in the Pac-12 conference. Jaden Ott is leading the way, and last year's freshman of the year, Damian Martinez of Oregon State, is second in the league, just under 100 yards a game. So that's got to be one of the marquee matchups, I would think. But they have really struggled throwing the football. They've played two quarterbacks. Uh, Jackson, who has started the last couple of games, is very, very athletic. Uh, will run around, create some havoc. Uh, has struggled with his accuracy, decision-making. Finley is more accurate as a passer, doesn't scramble as well, but he threw three picks you know, early against the Huskies in that blow-up and blow-up at Husky Stadium a couple of weeks ago. So they're, un- they're unsettled at quarterback. Really good wide receiver, Jeremiah Hunter. He can beat you. He's good. He's 6'2", 6'3", four-star kid. Uh, he's caught most of the balls that they've thrown this year, but they just did not have balance in the passing game either with anybody else stepping up in that number two or number three role. Offensive line maybe slightly improved from a year ago. They've run it, you know, decently, but um, their problems have been at the offensive end. And then special teams has hurt them every week. They missed three field goals and a loss at home to Auburn. They've changed kickers. They've missed extra points. They've had kicks blocked. They have a really good punter, but that's an area where you don't, you don't want to see a lot of action. You don't want to get you know, a punter punt the ball 10 or 11 times. So that's kind of the, the overlay. Their season's at a crossroads. Their next five games, including tomorrow night, are against nationally ranked teams. So this is the gauntlet that they've got to go through. And sitting at three wins, they're going to find three more wins um, somehow in the remaining seven games, and that's going to be difficult based on the schedule. Is it a little surprising to you, working so closely with Justin Wilcox over the years, to see him, a defensive coach, have a defense like this that has really struggled? I was looking at some of their numbers against the pass yesterday. It's, like, bad, like, outside the top 100. So, Todd, is that a little surprising to you to see just kind of the performances they've had on on defense so far this season, especially last week against an offense in ASU that really struggled? Well, and then part of his numbers came against Washington, too, which is by far and away the best passing team in the country. So, you know, statistics can get a little skewed, but I think they're actually, in this case, fairly honest. One of the things that they've struggled with the last two years, including this year, is they have really had a rough time getting off the field on, like, third and long, you know, third and eight, and third and 14s and 15s, whether it's a long pass play or pass interference. They've really struggled in that department. I, I know that because I talked a lot to Justin uh, over the course of the last year plus about that. And it's something that really disturbs him as a defensive minded guy and a former defensive back as well. So they got to figure that out. You, you, you can't give up three or four or five third and 15 to game and expect to win. And so uh, that, that's going to be a concern. Uh, it's not the primary concern tomorrow night. You know, the primary concern is you stop the running game of Oregon State. Uh, but it's, it's got to be a concern because Oregon State has shown the ability uh, to, to have some chunk plays not only this year, but in the past against Cal. Todd, this is great stuff. I wish we had more time. You've already given us a a really good amount of your time. But two quick questions. We'll end with your thoughts on the demise of the league. But before that, who who, I'm trying to get get a timeline in my head of when you left. Who was the Cal quarterback when you started your very first year working at Cal? Nate Longshore. I missed Aaron Rodgers by a year. Mm. Uh, So I started down there in 2005. Aaron Rodgers had a great year. Cal had a great year. Got jobbed out of a spot in the playoffs in 2004 when they uh, lost to USC down at the Coliseum 
uh, in the final seconds. So Nate Longshore, who um, and I want to say the very first game against Sacramento State broke his ankle and uh, hmm. was going to be, in fact, his next year, 2006, it was the year, if I remember correctly, guys, it was the year he got hurt at Oregon and then the, the Bears had a bye and then the Beavers came down and Cal was ranked number two in the country. Yeah. And uh, Kevin Riley was the quarterback filling in and then that was that, that funky ending there that uh, Cal, Cal has never recovered from that, to be quite frank with you. Yeah. Um, so Nate, Nate, Nate Launcher, and if he had stayed healthy, I think he'd have played in the National Football League. Huh. The year that he got hurt, that, that, that 2006 year, he was leading the country in passing efficiency. And when he went down, Cal went down with him. Yeah, Kevin Riley from Beaverton, by the way. He yeah. he, he and he, he just let the clock run out, and and then uh, the the slamming of the clipboard, and they would have been ranked number one, but it didn't happen. Didn't happen because of yep. the Beavers. Okay, um, you've been with the the these teams for decades. In the last three months, what have you thought, and where do you think it's going? The Pac two, Pac twelve, whatever you want to call this thing here. Yep. Um, it's a shame. It's an absolute shame. It's just, uh, it's too bad that people who wear suits, coats and ties, have uh, destroyed, in large part, this great conference. Yeah. And it's not just the TV net executives who had to find, you know, the final bludgeoning by determining what teams they wanted on their networks. But it goes back to the leadership, and it's not just the two commissioners. It goes back, in my opinion, to the presidents and the chancellors. They just had no clue what was going on. They had their heads in the, the sand and were hoping that you know, two, two guys who, as it turned out, didn't have a whole lot of experience in, in the way things are going in college football these days um, just didn't lead them down the right path. And so it's an absolute shame at, at what has happened. I'm hoping that Oregon State and Washington State can somehow survive it. be quite frank with you guys, I, I think there's going to be a lot of teams in the next realignment shuffle where this thing's going to go down to 40 or 48 teams. I mean, there's going to be a lot of teams left on the outside looking in at the top tier of football, which is a real shame. The the traditions have been destroyed, but that's just the way of the world with the suits at the networks and so forth. Mm. And um, I'm just hoping that somehow, some way, Oregon State, Washington State can figure out a way to survive and, you know, in the process, maybe, you know, play well enough uh, so that they can be included in the next set of conversations in five years. So that's the challenge ahead. Uh, but it's going to be it's going to be tough for a lot of schools, and not just the Beavers and the Cougars. As always, well said, Todd. Thank you so much for your time. Enjoy the game tomorrow night, and let's see what happens. Now is now that you're retired, and you're living in Oregon, who do you root for? Oh, you can't. I, I, you can't ask me who I'm rooting for, can you? Well. Yes, you can. you can dodge I'm, it. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a neutral guy in this one, because, and here's why, John, because <laughs> I have so many close friends at both schools. Yes. And for me, it's more than just the school. It's the people that yes. represent the schools. And so I tend to root, other than the Pittsburgh Steelers, okay, I'm a Steelers fan, yeah. and I'll admit that, I tend to root for people. And so in this game, it makes it tough when you know people on both sides of the line of scrimmage. So I'm, I'm going to leave it with that being my answer. That's a great I, answer. That's what I'm no, that's perfect. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm glad I asked it, but I'm, you know, put a little pressure on you to, to figure out how to get out of that. So that was great. <laughs> thanks, Todd. Okay. Thanks. Anytime guys. Always a pleasure to talk to you. All right. Take care. That's uh, Todd McKim, formerly of, uh, well, Eugene covering the beavers, the ducks, mostly the ducks and uh, great guy, a true professional 
and finally has wrapped it up and back living home in Bend and uh, is a fan. And I, I believe him. I know him and I believe him when he says I'm, I'm neutral and I'm rooting for either just a good game, just a good game mm-hmm. because you do, you get to know people and you work with people and you, and, and he's most recently with Cal people. So maybe there's a lean there, but uh, just, it makes it fun. It, no pressure, no work anymore. Just be a fan and watch the game. Absolutely. Yeah. I, Wonder how, what kind of situation I would think of rooting interest wise when I when I get up there, but I got a while to think about it. That's more of something you got to decide on once you uh, once you once uh, I retire, once you wind down. Well, yeah, but anyway, let's take a break. We'll come back and uh, wrap up this hour. We've got so many things we haven't even gotten to. We've got guests coming up still, and uh, Felipe Palazzo at twelve oh five at twelve thirty. Jeff Van Orso. Former Beaver, who's now a pilot. He's going to be the co-pilot along with another former Beaver in uh, Andy Porman, who will be flying the team to uh, to Cal. I don't know if they stay with the team and, and you get on the same plane and all that. We'll learn how that works. And that's coming up here at 1230. So this is the Joe Beaver Show along with TJ. I'm John, and we'll be back after this on 1240 Joe Radio. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation change? Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. When we work together, we'll focus on what's important to you. We'll use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And we'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact me today, 541-758-8. Two four five Edward Jones, number SIPC. Touchdown, Beavers! If you're ready to tackle your financial game plan, it's time to huddle up with the best and meet the coaching staff at Tax and Wealth Management. David Mendenhall, Bill Heck, and Robert Berry. With over 45 years of experience, they know the entire playbook when it comes to tax planning, retirement, and business strategies. So don't fumble. Call or stop by Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis or visit taxandwealthmanagement.com. Have you heard? There's a new Ace Hardware in Corvallis, bringing you dedicated customer service and care that Ace Hardware is known for. They'd love to help you with all your home projects and repair needs. Corvallis Ace Hardware has everything you need with so many brands so close to home like Steel, Ego, Yeti, Gosney, Benjamin Moore, Big Green Egg, Weber, and more. Enjoy monthly savings and their best deals in-store at the new Corvallis Ace Hardware. See you at the Corvallis Ace Hardware store in the Timber Hill Shopping Center. Hi, everybody. This is Mike Parker. We recently had the need to replace some major appliances, and I'm delighted to report that we called Brandon and his team at Kellenberger Appliance in Lebanon. We couldn't be happier with our experience. They answered all of our questions, put us in the best deal, and promptly delivered and installed a new washer and dryer. When you are in need of an appliance, I strongly encourage you to call Kellenberger Appliance. Visit kellenbergers.com or stop by Kellenberger Appliance at 21 North Main Street in Lebanon. A big thank you from the Parkers to Kellenberger Appliance. It's time for another vitamin message from Country Vitamins. Hi, this is Pat. Since 1982, Country Vitamins is your locally owned supplement store offering the highest quality products made with the finest ingredients. Our knowledgeable staff receive ongoing training on products we sell, assuring you of the latest information for your health and wellness. Plus, we offer unparalleled customer service. 
Open Monday through Friday, 10 to 5, located just west of 9th and Circle in Corvallis. That's Country Vitamins. Come taste the incredible flavors of India at Evergreen Indian Restaurant. Enjoy mouth-watering made-to-order Indian cuisine using traditional recipes and fresh spices, featuring a variety of entrees and tandoori specials. Evergreen Indian Restaurant is open for dine-in and takeout 11.30 to 2.30 p.m. and from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. daily, except on Tuesdays. Evergreen Indian Restaurant on Southwest 3rd in downtown Corvallis and on West 7th in Eugene. See the menu and order online at evergreenindianrestaurant.com. The fall means it's time for Oregon State football, a new season and hopefully a full game at the end of the year. It's also a good time to look at that home remodeling project. If you need new carpet, countertops, luxury vinyl, or window coverings, see the staff at Corvallis Floor Covering. They've been coaching Beaver fans and helping you get it done for over 30 years. Stop by and see their showroom full of all the popular brands that you know, love, and gotta have. They're on the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go Beavs! Built upon a solid foundation of cast iron and steel, the Kubota L2501 tractor is part of a tractor lineup rated number one in durability and owner experience. And it's on display now at Lynn Benton Tractor in Tangent. The L2501 tractor features a Kubota diesel engine and is easy to operate. See Lynn Benton Tractor today. Go to KubotaUSA.com for a full disclaimer. Lynn Benton Tractor, we're still doing business the American way. All right, TJ, we got about two minutes left, and we've got topics there who we could get to, but sure. we have guests as well. Felipe Palazzo will come up at uh, just after 12 o'clock, and then at 1230, it'll be Jeff Van Orso talking uh, old Beaver football stuff and current-day piloting stuff. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I had one more thing I wanted to add from our game day discussion before we had Todd McKim on. Yeah. I, I don't want to be disrespectful at all when this take comes out, so... Uh, which probably means I'm going to disrespect somebody, but that doesn't matter to me, to be honest, yeah. because I think this is correct. I don't. It does. I don't think it matters with the argument from Desmond Howard and Pat McAfee trying to defend 88 year old Lee Corso on game day, in the sense of how dare you, Jake Dickert, attack an old man on television, or how, how dare Ryan Day attack uh, uh, attack uh, 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 Lou Holtz on television? If you go on television and say something that pisses somebody off and they prove you wrong and they have something they want to say to you about it, I don't care how old you are. Couldn't I'm agree sorry. More. Preach. The 25-year-old is out here disrespecting all, all of all the older people. I'm sorry, but it, it does not matter to me how old you are. If you say something on television, yes. I'm sorry, it's going to come back to get you. Yes, I don't care if someone else scripts it for you. If you it comes out of your mouth, you take all the heat with that. Just like yes. I'm going to take all the heat from me just saying that into this microphone. Probably not. You know where to find me. I don't I don't think you will. Look, I love Lou Holtz. I love that man. But he went on record as criticizing Ryan Day. Ryan Day has every right in the world after a big win to come back at Lou Holtz and say, oh, yeah, if Lou doesn't like it, don't get into the ring. Yeah. But, and that's how that goes. Yeah. That was a great rant. Great rant. All right. Uh, we'll be back. Okay, please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240. Joe Radio. Time to enter the Magic Kingdom. Denise, would you kindly clear the wheels? Okay, here we go. On three. One, two. Tweets and texts, faces and books.
and texts and faces and books. Seems like it's more about FM and color TV. In such an age as this, is there any room left for something as simple as radio? We believe there is. Touchdown, Beaver! He's got a chance to go! 20, 15, 10, 5! Touchdown, Beaver! Back in the end zone! Caught! Touchdown, Beavers! The Joe Beaver Show is on the air with Mike Parker and John Warren. Two men on a mission to prove that AM radio is a viable and modern source for news and entertainment. So gather the whole family. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. If you don't have one, fret not. I'll have the management send you up a radio. Be a part of the triumphant return of amplitude modulation. This is the big one, boys. This is the one that brings us back. Soon, AM radio will reign king once more. <laughs> it's the Joe Beaver Show on the home of the beavers. Cool beats. Kill me. 1240 Joe Radio. All right, TJ, you doing all right? I'm doing great. Caffeinated, good to go. <laughs> Ready to get into the weekend should yeah, be tonight should be by the fun. Way, tonight what do you got 6 30 silverton at crescent valley second consecutive week carrying silverton here but this time with the yeah, other so you, you should school. know them very well it and, helps out and by the way I, you know every once in a while i will look at uh osaa scoreboard and it'll say one nothing that's a forfeit yeah we already and, got one yeah we had week. and there's been a lot this year around the state i've seen west albany got a forfeit win last week i believe woodburn forfeited uh there was uh, pl- uh not enough players because of illness for central or something i think it was wood i think woodburn, woodburn. Yeah. yeah yeah so Interesting. it's been a tough that. season for woodburn yeah all right lots to talk about today and guests and our next guest here to start our number two very interesting uh nice young kid all the way from argentina we bring in Felipe, uh, Felipe Palazza. Felipe, welcome to the Joe Beaver Show, and thanks for taking time out for us today. Thank you so much, and I'm really happy to be with you today. Did you guys have a workout already today, or is that still to come? No, we did. We did work out at 6.30 in the morning today. <laughs> nice and early. Yeah, Is that considered punishment for someone your age? I think, I think it was nice because, you know, we have weights already, too, so we have a day off to do our thing today so it was, it was nice i mean we're not used to that but like we have, we do have a great practice today felipe plaza of the oregon state men's basketball team joining us here on the joe beaver show felipe i'm i i want to get into how you ended up here at oregon state especially coming out of argentina not the richest basketball hi- history in argentina mano ginobili one of the notable ones to come out of argentina but besides that it's it's just a soccer country, or in Argentina, a football country. So uh, I'm curious to just start with your backstory. How'd you end up playing basketball? Well, uh, as you say, it is a soccer country. I'm a big soccer guy. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm a big football guy. But um, it was a long story. It was like a story like involved a lot of people. I started in a D2 in Miami, and, and I ended up in Oregon State meeting some people, and well, that's then I, I get to know Coach Tinko, and it did work out last year. So uh, why did you end up choosing basketball instead of soccer if everyone else was playing it? Well, all my friends played soccer back home, but, you know, there was a club uh, next to my house. So I was like, I'm, I'm just going to try this, and, well, end up being my passion, and 
my reason to be in America. So then when you were growing up, was it, were you more focused on just playing? Was it following Manu Ginobili as, as an inspiration or other Argentinian pros? Well, Manu, of course, is one, is one of my number one inspirations, but I also like Luis Escola. Um, Prigioni that used to play in the NBA too. I think they were great brothers, players too. But you know, I also like to watch European basketball. Um, one of my favorite players, and I know this is funny, but Drazen Petrovic is one of my favorite players. He played for the Detroit Pistons for a little bit. Um, but you know, I, I'm more used to like FIBA basketball yet. So like all these old FIBA basketball players, that's that's what I look at when when I was a kid. Felipe Palazzo, our guest here on the Joe Beaver Show. Now, you're 6'4". That's really good size. It's a good size for a guard, but that would be considered big when you're playing, you know, little guy basketball on in through what we have as high school. I'm not sure how you call it over there, but were you always taller than everybody else, and and, and were you able to be um, one of the better players as you were going through the system in Argentina? Well, I thought when Argentina used to play like a 3-4, more like a small forward, mm. power forward like type of player. And then when I get to to the United States, I need to shift. Uh, I gain weight, you know, I and I became more like a guard, like a three, four more type of player. So I like a two, three more type of player. So that was really good for me because I shifted and I get my game better. Felipe Palazzo joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. How was the adjustment coming to Oregon? I'm reading this feature that the Orange Media Network, the student paper at Oregon State, did on you. And you mentioned how much of an adjustment it was. You started off in South Florida coming here to the States. And now you come up to Oregon very different culturally in both those spots. How was the transition for you? How hard was it? It was really hard at the beginning. Uh, there's a lot of things involved being really far away from home because, you know, Florida, Miami, where I used to be, it's like just one plane away. Now I'm like two or three or sometimes four planes away from home. The food is a, it's a really big thing. You know, in Argentina, like food is a big, big cultural like aspect of our life. But then the, the language that I need to learn because in Florida, everybody speaks Spanish and here nobody does. And... And also, you know, the weather, the people, the different, like, culture. The, and also it was hard for me to understand that there is, like, a East United States and a West Coast United States. Um, well, it was, like a, it was like a big transition for me. What was the biggest thing you learned, I guess, then about the West Coast when you came here that you didn't realize? How big of a different, how separate the U.S., the United States, like, how different, like, people act or react in the West Coast and the East Coast, the food, the culture, and it was it was hard for me to, like, this was like the real America. Uh-huh. I am in the United States of America. When <laughs> I was in Florida, it was more like, oh, I'm like in, in Florida, but it's like a lot of Latino like this way. Well, no, now I'm in the real America. <laughs> it's been a couple of years you've been here. Are you, how is it now? Uh, it's nice. Uh, I can be more grateful for, for Oregon. Like, I made the most amazing people in, of my life here. I made the friends of my life. And, and besides that, I still don't get used to the weather. <laughs> I, um, I, I, still like, I, I still love Oregon so much. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, and so your story to getting onto this Oregon State roster, I, I, I believe you did start 
as a manager with the basketball team before coming on to your current role in your second season now on Wayne Tinkle's team. Was your goal, your end goal always to get onto the team, always wanting to make sure you were available and there to to make it onto the roster? Of course, yeah. Since I was a kid, my, my dream was to play D1 basketball in the U.S. I never thought about Oregon State when, when I was a, a kid. But, you know, life got always got a path for us. And and I always wanted to join the team. I, I and, and I loved that it was the way it was. Because now that I'm on the team and I'm available for Coach Tinko and the staff, and I'm part of the family, I, I really value all the things that, I, that got me to this place. Felipe, next week is media day down in uh, California for players and coaches in the Pac-12, one or two players. And then it, 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 the games start here in just a couple of weeks. How have practices gone? How has everything gone since you guys got together back at the beginning of whenever, September, and started working out together? I think I think we, we're getting better every day, and that's the most important thing. And we still need to improve a lot of things, but... I think we're going to be ready for war when it's time. Um, we have an amazing group of people and a great group of guys. And at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. So I, I, as I said before, I'm so grateful and happy to join this family, and we're ready to go to war. Yeah, you were here for the as a walk-on or actually the manager. You were here for the three-win season and then last year's improvement to 10. Do you think there's much more in this team moving forward? Because every year there's the build process. I think we, I think maintaining things that we maintain our base, we're gonna, we're gonna be able to do great things. And um, we just, I think the only thing we need to focus is the next game and the next game. Um, this team is a humble young group of guys, and I think we're gonna be great this season. Great stuff. Um, Felipe, thanks for taking time out for us today. We'll see you over at practice and during games, and and best of luck to you the rest of the way this year. Thank you so much, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Felipe Palazzo, what a nice kid. Awesome. Nice kid. They they all are. And, and uh, you know, when you're in a foreign place, you just you just keep your, keep it, your mouth shut. It's overwhelming. Do, do what you can do, and... Don't bring any attention to yourself. He's been here a couple of years, though, mm-hmm. so he's probably used to a lot of things. And I know that the best thing for someone to come into uh, a foreign situation like that is to be on a team. Right. Because you're immediately family with that team. And I know Wayne Tinkle and his program, and those guys are tight. All the Beaver uh, teams are. They're tight. They really take care of each other. And there's a lot of international athletes at Oregon State. But he mentioned, More than I knew. So he, yeah, so he, he started at uh, uh, a school in Florida that escapes me but as he was mentioning there just like i'm just trying to think of it like the 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 best adjustment when you're coming from from out of country coming from latin america is you go to miami miami is one of the most diverse cities in america where there's a very heavy latin american population and it's easier to work your way in and adjust yeah as he said a little bit more at home you, you feel a little bit more at home you're in america but you're surrounded by culture you're familiar with yeah I can't say the same about Corvallis. This is not <laughs> this is not Miami. So to credit to him coming all the way across the country to really just put his head down and work and, and get on the basketball team and hopefully be a part of uh, of a significantly improved Oregon State men's basketball team that gets underway in a little over a month from now in November. I'll have some of these games, these early games, and so I'll get to you know 
travel with them and be up close and uh, looking forward to it. I, I actually have been doing this for 20 years, but I didn't get any games in last year because the one home game uh, that I was going to do that didn't have any conflicts, I lost my voice. Yeah, you were sick. I have never gotten laryngitis before in my life if I didn't scream. If I screamed, I could get it, you know, from being in the stands. I, c- I, would get, I could get laryngitis, but it would recover within two days. The Friday before the Saturday game I was supposed to call, I just was feeling fine. Didn't didn't do any screaming. Everything was normal. I lost my voice 100%. I mean, it wasn't even close. I've never had that happen. Josh Worden stepped in, called the game. The next game I was going to do, it came down to a choice of the sideline for football for the Vegas Bowl. <laughs> and I'm, I'll take sideline. And then... And then Josh filled in. It was either me or Josh, and Josh filled in for, for doing the basketball game. So it's the first year in probably two, over 20 years that I haven't done at least one men's basketball game. Well, this year we're going to the NIT in Barclays Center and uh, a game in South Dakota. And then I Two very a, different environments. I know. And, the, and here's the thing, though. The schedule is, is, is out now. The non-conference schedule is out. That came out. And then a couple days later, the times came out for everything, that, which was yesterday. And, um, the thing about it is a lot of games at home and like a inordinate number of games at home this year, Gil Coliseum, which is great, uh, for the fans. No doubt it. No doubt about it. Let me just uh, give you a quick rundown on some of the, the start times and half, half of the games this year are in the afternoon. Now, most of those 90% of those are on Saturdays, your typical PAC 12 go on the road or play at home. doesn't matter. Thursday night, Saturday afternoon. So half of those, or most of those, but half the games are in the afternoon. The Beavers will start, it'll all start on a Sunday, October 29th, in just a couple of weeks, against Southern Oregon in Corvallis. The time on that one hasn't been determined yet, but that's against Southern Oregon. It'll be an exhibition game. They will play Linfield, the Linfield Wildcats, on Monday, November 6th at 2.30 in the afternoon. Monday, November 6th, the Beavers will take on Linfield, at Gill Coliseum. And then that Friday, November 10th, Troy is coming to town. Then Appalachian State, the following Tuesday, is coming to town. Nebraska, that game will be played in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And it's going to be televised on the Peacock Network. That must be the Big Ten deal. Yes. The Big I, Ten has signed a deal with Peacock to do a lot of basketball games. Yeah, they have a lot of basketball games on there. You're right. Then the, the week of Thanksgiving, I'm going to be away from home. Baylor on Wednesday, then Thanksgiving off, and then uh, at that same tournament after Baylor, then uh, it's Florida and one other team that are playing on the other side. It's not like a long tournament. It's just two games, and uh, and it's not guaranteed. You'll either mm-hmm. play in a winner's bracket or a loser's bracket. And the rest of the non-conference games are at home. UC yeah. Davis, Cal Poly, Utah Valley, UTSA, Idaho State, all at home. Yep, and then UCLA starts it up on December 28th. And so on and so forth. We have had reaction, by the way, to the question, would you want to play Oregon after all this and keep the series live or whatever? Just would you be okay with the teams that are not football scheduling Oregon? We've gotten mostly a no, a absolute no, and a heck no. You know what I mean? They will, though. They will. Yeah. Yeah. They, they will. I don't even think it's up for debate, to be honest. If you, if, it, it, if these two schools are located on the eastern seaboard, I think you could get away from it and schedule other schools close to you, but there's just not many other options. Unfortunately, 
It's going to happen. Baseball, every single season, these two teams don't play in the same conference, will play a full non-conference weekend. I have to imagine. Series. I, I don't see why they wouldn't. It just makes too much financial sense. And in an RPI sense, if they're good and you're good, why wouldn't you want to play each other? It benefits you. Right. It's the same thing in basketball. It's the same thing in women's basketball. Uh, you know, women's basketball, men's baseball, all this stuff that helps you get into the postseason. I think you'd be doing a disservice by not. All right, we've got another segment to go, and then we'll talk with Jeff Van Arso, former Beaver defensive end for uh, uh, 2006 season, knocking down the two-point conversion throw from John David Booty to pre- to uh, preserve a victory over USC on that particular Saturday. And we'll talk with Jeff Van Orso coming up at 12.30. But we've got one more segment to go between then and now. And we'll uh, we'll take your phone calls if you want or your uh, your texts at 541-497-5356. University of Honda and Downward Dog sponsoring those uh, those lines. Be right back on 1240 Joe Radio. At Albin's Plumbing, we're boring. Hi, I'm Katie Albin, and I want everyone to know that at Albin's Plumbing, we're boring. Directional boring, to be exact. So if you need to run a pipe underground, under a driveway, or under a sidewalk, and you don't want to destroy your yard in the process, the boring people at Albin's Plumbing can help you with your directional boring. Just give us a call. At Albin's Plumbing, plumbing's all we do. Call 754-8282, Albin's Plumbing. The fall means it's time for Oregon State football, a new season, and hopefully a full game at the end of the year. It's also a good time to look at that home remodeling project. If you need new carpet, countertops, luxury vinyl, or window coverings, see the staff at Corvallis Floor Covering. They've been coaching Beaver fans and helping you get it done for over 30 years. Stop by and see their showroom full of all the popular brands that you know, love, and gotta have. They're on the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go Beavs! Hi, everybody. This is Mike Parker. We recently had the need to replace some major appliances, and I'm delighted to report that we called Brandon and his team at Kellenberger Appliance in Lebanon. We couldn't be happier with our experience. They answered all of our questions, put us in the best deal, and promptly delivered and installed a new washer and dryer. When you are in need of an appliance, I strongly encourage you to call Kellenberger Appliance. Visit Kellenbergers.com or stop by Kellenberger Appliance at 21 North Main Street in Lebanon. A big thank you from the Parkers to Kellenberger Appliance. Stargazer Premier Florist in Corvallis knows that a meaningful gift can brighten someone's day and have them feel appreciated, whatever the occasion is. Choose from Stargazer Premier Florist's wide selection of fresh floral arrangements, bountiful bouquets, gift baskets, and houseplants, always delivered fresh with a focus on keeping families and friends connected. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's Premier Selection online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Florist, 925 Northwest Circle Boulevard in Corvallis. Kubota LX Series tractors are the number one rated tractor brand for durability and owner experience in the United States and are the answer to having quality, comfort, and versatility. Kubota LX Series tractors are four-wheel drive and come with easy-to-operate, three-range hydrostatic transmission. See Lynn Benton Tractor and Tangent or go to KubotaUSA.com for more information. All right, Jeff Van Orso will join us here in just about five minutes. Uh, We'll take another break and then 
get connected with Jeff and uh, relive some great moments from the early 2000s, of which is uh, pretty far off in our rearview mirror. I thought it was just yesterday, but it's not. And uh, so Jeff Van Orso coming up. Now, TJ, I, I got to say, you're, you're our Mariner guy, and you're a baseball guy. And I'm flicking through X, and I'm looking at things, and I see this this Jerry DePoto thing, and I can't remember if it was a video or if it was just the words that I was reading, and I couldn't Yeah, be- it could have been either. I couldn't believe he was essentially saying, you know, we uh, we strive to be, uh, you know, basically at 54% winning percentage or wins or whatever. And, and then he said something else. Was it about pitching? Uh, it was doing the team a favor, I think is what you saw. Or doing the fan base a favor. Yeah, so, yeah, it, so, it, so it was a mess. Expand on that and then sure. tell us what your theory is. So on the is. drive over here today, I had this thought, and, and it relates to what we heard from Eric Burns yesterday about tension-free barrel release and how none of us knew what the heck he was talking about. Right, right. And it got me thinking, and a question I proposed to the University Honda text line and the Downward Dog phone line, do you want your coaches, players media media people, guys who are like in these sports to be as transparent as possible because what you were referencing with Jerry DePoto, he's trying to be as transparent as possible with the media and with the fan base. However, when you actually open up the formula and see how some of these front offices or coaching staffs think and how they operate and how they're trying to look at how they win and lose baseball games, football games, basketball games, whatever... As a fan, A, it might be too complex. B, you might not like what you hear because I think that's what we heard. Yeah. In a general sense of what some of these, they can be taken out of context uh, of of something like this, right? For for example, like Jerry DePoto overall for what he said, he said 54% over 10 years, like odds are if you pull that off, you you'll make it to a World Series, which is it is that number is objectively true. However, winning fifty four percent year by year, which is what some people see that is, is not good enough. So there's like there's a give and pull with that. But that's Jerry being transparent and mm-hmm. saying if we do that over ten years, this is how we succeed. The problem is that number should not be thrown out there in a press conference because you just got to imagine how the fans who have never seen any 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 wins would receive that. And that goes for all sports. Say Jonathan Smith comes out and he says, "Okay, well we we love running uh we love running this these deep crossing routes for DJ and we really think uh it adds something to our offense, but we only expect it to be successful 40% of the time." Is are, are the fans going to be like, well, "Why are you running that play if you're oh, right. if if a, right. a, a good success rate is 40%?" Well, that's the transparency with the fans. Right. So too too much information. Too much information. So do you regardless, do you still want the transparency? Because if you do, you might not like what you hear. And yeah. then things like this week happen where we have tension free barrel release and Eric Burns is like, Well, duh, didn't you know about <laughs> tension free barrel release? And all of us are sitting here like, No, no, we didn't. No. Yeah. But this is what happens when you're transparent about how experts think about things if you go like go into jonathan and all their football analysts sit down and how they break down exactly what they want to do on a football field your head's going to be spinning you're gonna have no idea what's going on so when jonathan takes the podium and i mean this in the most respectful way possible coach speak Mm -hmm. in his press conference what he does he does a great job at they all do not not showing your cards too much 
it's a little bit easier for the general fan to digest, and it allows you to get less upset because either they're they're transparent and you're upset, or they're not transparent and you're less upset. <laughs> right, right. It's a almost a lose lose. It but, is. But that one was just a. Yeah, you probably shouldn't have said that out loud. It's almost like we were um, being led in on a conversation between he and the president or he and the owner. Exactly. And like the uh, owner says, eh, we're a small market is, team. Don't worry. You it, just go win 50% of your games or 54% will be good. It's something that put, has the potential to snowball and give you bad PR that you really just don't want when you're all you're trying to do is show that you're not fake and show that you have a plan and show that you know what you're doing. But on the other side, it doesn't always work out that way. And this week we saw it. Another great hot take. There we go. Quick break. <laughs> and Jeff Van Orso coming up next. For auto glass solutions, better call a glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. Hi, this is Jake the Glass Man. Do you need to repair or replace your windshield? Do you have questions? Stop by or give me a call. For auto glass solutions, better call the glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. The Hardwood Center has decades of experience in providing specialty hardwood products and services to local woodworkers, contractors, and homeowners. Featuring many species of hardwood lumber, plywood, and locally milled slabs, a wide selection of hardwood flooring, and more. The Hardwood Center's expert staff will help you select the best products for your project. Stop by or call the Hardwood Center on Highway 34 between Albany and Corvallis. The Mid Valley's one-stop shop for fine hardwood products. Online at the Hardwood Center. Go Beavs! If you need a new roof, see Stutzman and Krupp Contractors, voted by readers of the Albany Democrat Herald as the best roofer in the Valley in 2021 and 2022. Hi, this is Doug Blair. When Stutzman and Krupp did my roof a few years ago, what I really liked is they had a large team of roofers, so they got in and got it done. And did it in just one day. It was great, and there's financing available too. Callers stop by their showroom on Rice Street in Albany. Stutzman and Krupp Contractors, they do it right. CCB 96278. Touchdown, Beavers! If you're ready to tackle your financial game plan, it's time to huddle up with the best and meet the coaching staff at Tax and Wealth Management, David Mendenhall, Bill Heck, and Robert Berry. With over 45 years of experience, they know the entire playbook when it comes to tax planning, retirement, and business strategies. So don't fumble. Call or stop by Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis or visit taxandwealthmanagement.com. Ladies, join the Natty Dresser from 5 to 7 p.m. for the October 6th, First Friday. We're holding a trunk show just for you. You can special order women's clothing from Pendleton and shoes from Piccolino's. That's right, women's clothing and shoes one night only. With live music by James F. Wright. Refreshments and fun at the Natty Dresser. First Friday, this Friday from 5 to 7 p.m. See you there. Love your look at the Natty Dresser. The Natty Dresser at Albany. All right, TJ, we have a special guest joining us on the show today. I'm hoping the line won't be scratchy as it was when I just called our guest, uh, who joins us now, Jeff Van Orso, former defensive end, defensive tackle for Oregon State back in the day. Jeff, how are we doing today? How's it going? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, this is better. This is much better. I think it was the, the yeah. telephone that I was calling you on. So Mike calls me this morning. He goes, you want Jeff Van Orso? Because Mike's traveling, and so I, I take over. and like, yes. And 
And then, of course, we, we talk about the knockdown two-point conversion. We talk about some of those great years that you were you were playing defense for Oregon State. But what really surprised me was he said he's going to be one of the two pilots. He's going to be in the cockpit taking the Beavers down to uh, to California. My first question is when you do that, and we'll get into your career and what you're doing, do you go, are you with the team the whole week? In other words, do you take them, stay there, and bring them back? Uh, no. So the team's traveling right now to California. We're taking a charter flight back home after the game. Got it. So just in terms of making it efficient for the company and the pilots, they have a crew that takes them down there, and then they will bring the plane back to – it originates in and out of Portland. Um, and then we will fly down tomorrow evening, pick them up and bring them back to Eugene and then finish out in Portland. And you're working with Andy Porman, who is the pilot. You're the co-pilot. He's also a beaver, uh, and his wife was uh, in the athletic department as well, as I understand it. So there's, there's a lot of great beaver connections on this. I think – I don't know what you think. We'll, we'll get your thoughts – that you'll be bringing a, a victorious team back. Yeah, I was on the phone with uh, Mike, and I said that Mike Riley said it best, is when I played, we were down there, we beat them when they were number two uh, for uh, in the country, and Mike Riley said, we always win in Berkeley. So we're bringing that energy this weekend. You're a full-time pilot with Alaska Airlines, is that right? That's correct. That's pretty cool. Now, did you go into the military? How did you, how did you come upon you know, getting to that level? Yeah, so this is just super exciting for me because I'm, I'm really am bringing it full circle. I've had a uh, passion for aviation. My dad was in the military. Uh, so I've always wanted to fly. I got my private instrument in commercial while I was going to school playing football at Oregon State. And I had the fortunate opportunity to meet Andy Foreman, who is, was uh, F-15 pilot in the Portland Air National Guard. And so he had the connection with the guard, kind of told me all about the opportunities that are available to me after college and really became a great friend and mentor to me. And so I met him. He did a couple of the flyovers for some of the games, and then somebody made the connection that I liked flying. I met him, and we've had a relationship ever since. Uh, helped me get on with Alaska Airlines, and um, so this will be our first time to actually fly together. And what better way than have two alum bring back a victorious leader team. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned flyovers. Did you ever do any of those while you were coming up? I did not. Did you Did you have opportunity? Is there a sign-up sheet? I mean, how do they even figure out who gets to do it? You know, a lot of stuff in aviation is seniority-based. So, um, you know, it's a lot of people want to do stuff like that. A lot of people want to do the Oregon State Charters. Um, it, it is a little bit of a fight between the people who want to do it and then based on your seniority. So, um Sometimes you can bribe some people and, and offer something that they can't refuse, and then you get to get to do it. But um, we, we're just happy to have the opportunity. Jeff Van Urso joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. Former Beaver, last played at Oregon State in two thousand and seven. Uh, is is the to sign up for the charter? Is that the the same thing, or is that just assigned uh, from Alaska Airlines? No, they put it in to what we call it's just open time, so it's available to anybody. It's first uh, base-specific, then it's open to everybody. And uh, once it's in open time, then anybody can grab it. But like I said, it's highly sought after. Everybody knows, you know, this time of year that the charters are going out. Because Alaska does multiple uh, football teams. And so you really kind of 
got to find the schedule, know where we're going this weekend, and, and see, oh, that's the one, and, and try to grab it before somebody else does. Do they make a conscience effort in this case to make sure you're not flying a plane that doesn't have the beaver colors on it? Because they, they came out with those beaver and duck planes. That's right, yeah. And then most recently the, the Huskies. They will get the Oregon State one out eventually, but uh, we won't allow any of that. Okay, good. Now, you uh, football player, National Guard, and now author. The book is Alternate Route. From Jeff Van Orso, The Ultimate Guide to Becoming a Pilot in the Air National Guard and Air Force Reserve. When did you decide? I mean, what was the process of you thinking, you know, I need to write a book about this? Uh, I used my COVID time, uh, I guess, to the best of my ability. So I wrote a book. It took me about seven months. And um, one thing that Andy had told me, you know, is just the opportunities in the National Guard and Air Force Reserves that nobody knows about. And so... The misconception is that you have to already be in the military or, you know, have to, it's basically an impossible route to, to get into. And that's not the case. Like myself, I was hired, what's called off the streets. We didn't have any prior military experience. I was able to go in and fly a certain aircraft at a certain location. And I just felt like I needed to get that word out, help other people kind of do the same thing and let them know how to do it. So it's more like a how-to book first couple chapters talk about my history and, and kind of how I got into it. And then it just kind of walks you through the process, interviews, what to expect, and, and kind of, like I said, how to. And and then I offer services and consultations and stuff because everybody's situation is different. Got a website, got a LLC. It's a, it's a whole big thing. And really the whole goal is to help other people. I'm not looking to make money off of it or any of that kind of stuff, but mm. just kind of spread the word. Maybe anybody who's interested in aviation, this might be something you want to look into. Jeff Van Orso joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. TJ Matthewson in the spot of Mike Parker alongside John Warren. Is there another step you want to get to in uh, in flying, Jeff? Uh, I, I don't know the, the, the tiers of pilot or, or the responsibilities or the, the hierarchy of it all. Is, is there another step for you? Yeah, so right now I'm a first officer, so I sit in the right seat, and then the captain is in the left seat. So that'll be uh, Andy Pullman tomorrow will be the captain, and I'll be his first officer. And although we share all the responsibilities, the captain is the ultimate authority on the flight. That comes with a little bit more responsibility, a little bit more pay. Uh, ultimately, that's where I'd like to be. I think it's going to be a few few more years before I upgrade to become a captain, but um, I think that will be pretty much the pinnacle of the career. You know, enjoy more time at home with my family and um, just continue to fly because that's what I love. We, we mentioned uh, Andy, of course, and, and him being a beaver as well, but his parents, Ken and Sue Porman. Sue calls the show every once in a while. She's been calling Mike's show since he was in Portland. Legendary beavers. So uh, you you and your wife, Shelby, have a couple of daughters. Are they going to go to Oregon State? Yes. Uh, we would love that, and we'll totally support whatever they want, but we definitely have them rooting for the Beavers. Uh, my oldest is going to be an Oregon State cheerleader for Halloween this year, so I think we're on the right track. Nice. All right, so you've played a couple of times and actually been integral in some Beaver games in Strawberry Canyon. What do you think about tomorrow night's game? I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, we don't want to overlook Cal for sure. They've always been a tough team and, and playing an away game. You know, a couple of distractions, a lot of family and stuff, usually with California games like that. But um, I, I 
love the product that we've got on the field. I think, you know, being a defensive player, I'm absolutely loving it right now. Coach Bray is just stepping it up from last year. Um, it, it's not going to be a blowout, but I think it's going to be a solid victory for us. What do you remember the energy level being like at Memorial Stadium? You know, um, it was it was actually good when we played. I mean, we played, uh, I guess, Cal played at Oregon State when Aaron Rodgers was there um, on the old AstroTurf. But uh, when we played down there, they, you know, had good teams, and so they had great crowds. Uh, awesome atmosphere. I mean, it's it's one of the best. In, the, in Pac-12, you know, Pac-10, Pac-12, kind of dating myself there. Um, just because of, you know, the... the Cheap Skate Hill or whatever they call it, I mean, <laughs> the tradition that they've got there. Um, I enjoy playing there. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Jeff, um, you were had a couple of things in your career at Oregon State. The Of course, the, the two-point knockdown of John David Booty's uh, attempt to, to hold off uh, USC and get that victory. You also had uh, a pick of Alex Brink to, uh, to hold off a, a victory there. Are those your favorites? You got anything else that you you remember from your time that you think was just the best? Yeah, I mean, everybody points to the USC game for sure, and that was that was huge. But we had a lot of big games. Um, it, the thing that you know, the USC game, people don't, I guess, remember is that, like we were on our second, maybe a third running back. I think Evanson was hurt that game. Um, Sammy played his heart out, you know, it was a team effort, right? Like the last play is the last play and, and it helped to, to seal it. But, um, I think I was more proud of, of how everybody rallied. You know, we had second, third stringers playing all the way through. I think we had some linebackers that were hurt as well. Um, and like, so those are the kind of in-depth things that I remember, not specifically like, uh, I, you know, the, the pick six, uh, against Stanford, that I had that was, it didn't matter because we didn't go to a bowl game that year, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah. And well, and you talk about guys stepping up Clinton Polk with 99 yards in that game against USC that nobody expected that to happen. And that was one huge reason why you guys jumped out to the lead 30 to 10. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, That punt return by Sandy Strader. I mean, we had just, everybody was just on it that day and it was fantastic to be a part of well, Jeff, we really appreciate your time, and uh, again, best of luck with the book. And I know, like you say, you're not in for the money. Just to to uh, <laughs> let people know, the ultimate guide to becoming a pilot in the Air National Guard and Air Force Reserve. You can get the book on Amazon.com, and of course, you're you're co-piloting along with Andy Porman, who's a Beaver, and uh, that's really cool stuff. Do you get to see the game first, be there, and then hustle out to wherever the airport is and get the plane ready to go? Right. Oh, that's great. <laughs> That's not a bad job. And then in your regular hours, you fly for Alaska. That's really cool. That's that's fun to know. I do. Yeah. They're great. a great company and uh, happy to be, like I said, I have this opportunity. They've got the charter contract this year. So I've been working with DVD for months and the charter department and just trying to make it all work out. And just excited for the weekend. Awesome. Jeff, thanks for your time. All right. Thank you. All Take right. Care. Jeff Van Orso joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. Great guy. He, uh, I remember his game very well, even though it was uh, almost 20 years ago. He was outstanding, and he was a big guy. I, he must have uh, shrunk a little to be able to, maybe not. And he's, it's, Fit in the cockpit? It's, it's hard to get in the cockpit because those guys aren't small. 
you know, but, uh, no, that's, that's fantastic. And now some, some kids who will go to Oregon state and the whole nine yards. That is a great story. And, and, and Andy Poorman too. And, and his parents being such great beavers. Being a pilot's a cool job. I mean, the, the whole point of his book is, is to get more people into flying because, there are a shortage of pilots. I mean, we, we see see it sometimes with yeah. these flights getting canceled. It's hard to to get pilots and, and crew for for all these planes, and especially for being a pilot. I mean, you've seen have you, you have have you seen like the amount of hours? Oh yeah, like Alaska Airlines and something like a major airline requires you to be a pilot. It is it's absurd, and <laughs> a lot of these people who I'm don't glad, go though. into the military. I mean, right? You want your pilots to be able to fly right. and land a plane, even though a lot of these planes can fly themselves nowadays. And you don't, yeah, you don't really have to I, do I'm anything. I'm glad they have the training they do. Right? Exactly. And it's for good reason, but it, it's just not for everybody because it takes so long. Yeah. To to get to that level, and and what he's saying, you fly for the Air National Guard and the Air Force Reserve. It opens up more more possibilities and gets you the that flight hours and allows you now a full-time job where you essentially your full-time job is to travel. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah, that's pretty you cool. Can, you could be in you can be in the Maldives one day and the uh, another day you're you're in Milan and then well maybe not with Alaska Airlines and then you're back in the states wherever. He, he got his pilot's license in 06 when he was still playing football, but I guess we didn't ask him. I should have asked him uh was that just the first of all the many, the small planes and then mm-hmm. working through to get, you know, credential up to jets and then the, the big stuff so anyway we got to take a last break we'll get it in come back and remember we got to give away two fifty dollar gift cards to ace hardware in corvallis text the word ace real quickly if you haven't gotten in i think we got everybody but text the word ace to 497-5356 the university honda text line 541-497-5356 the word ace a-c-e and we'll draw two. We have two this time. We thought most of the week we only had one, but we have two of them to give away. We'll do that coming up here in this last segment, which is right around the corner here on 1240 Joe Radio. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis, and they represent numerous insurance companies. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see Mike Eaves, Taylor Starr, Tom Worth, or Chad Sherwood. They'll help you find an insurance plan that works best for you. Call or stop by at 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. Unified Insurance Group, your hometown team, always putting you first. Well, it's the weekend. I was just settling in to enjoy a beaver football game when I heard a horrible sound. When are you going to start working on that hardwood floor in the den? We can't use the room until it's done. I would, but I don't have all the equipment. That's no excuse. You can rent a floor sander, a floor nailer, and everything you need at Philomath Rental. And they're open seven days a week, so you can get out there today. Darn you, Philomath Rental. Work smarter, not harder. Philomath Rental. Weddings, anniversaries, holiday parties, corporate events, large or small, make them spectacular with Forks and Corks Catering. From delicious bites to signature cocktails, they'll ensure an experience that is a delight for you and your guests. With their fresh cuisine, artful presentation, and polished service, Forks and Corks always creates a spectacular symphony of sensory delight. View their menu and list of venues online. Forks and Corks Catering, events designed to delight. Catering to the Willamette Valley since 2011. 
Be a winner and have a wiener at Benchwarmers Bar and Grill. Enjoy a one-quarter pound all-beef gourmet hot dog. Choose from a Coney dog, a sauerkraut dog, chili cheese and onion, a mustard dog, or Benchwarmers popular Chicago-style dog. Try several burger selections, and if it's breakfast you're looking for, Benchwarmers serves a $5 breakfast all day, every day. With 20 large-screen TVs, make Benchwarmers your beaver football tailgating headquarters this fall. Come by and warm the bench at Benchwarmers Bar and Grill, 1895 North 9th Street in Corvallis, where Oregon State fans go on game day. I was just taking a look at the uh, the list of people who have got written, a lot of people written in. We had seventy five at the outset of the the show today. How many we got? Fourteen more. So eighty nine total people have nearly a hundred. Can we in. get a hundred by the top of the hour? I, uh, it uh, might be. I'm going to give it about six more minutes. And six then, more minutes to get eleven. So if you it haven't, close. all you got to do is text Ace five four one four nine seven five three five six. I. So Andy from Mitchell sent in a pretty good text to my, to my transparency yeah. argument before we had Jeff on, which I, I think is interesting because he said the problem with the main argument I was using in referencing Jerry DePoto yeah. is that it sounds condescending and saying I'm better than you to, to, the, to the fan base. However, I do still think, Andy, I do think that relates to my, do you really want them to be transparent? Because a lot of these guys in leadership positions are very, very smart. They are... How's it condescending? Because... What would be an example? It's like, trust me, I, I know more than you do. Well, it depends on the question. It does. And like you said, you and, use Jonathan Smith as a great example. He's not going to tell you what quarterback they're going to go with before the very first game of the season, but he does a really good job of making it sound like all of them have had the chance, we're, we're evaluating, and we'll get to that coming up. He could be like a, Lou Saban, or a Nick Saban and just say, I'm not telling you, it's none of your business. I don't want to give away what we're doing. I mean, those are the two extremes on that. And and, and I want to say from, like, with the Jonathan Smith example, from a Jerry DePoto example, from really anyone in a, in a leadership position, I, I think the amount of time and detail they have into, to go into a lot of these things are more than any of us fans would ever put into studying that sport, I think. Unless you cover it, and that's your thing to literally track every single detail possible, then like, I don't think you would come up with that. So, uh, of course, it, it might, if, if you word it poorly, which Jerry did, and which Jonathan doesn't usually word poorly, it will come off as condescending. And it will come off as you sound smarter than everybody else. But unfortunately, like if you're transparent, that might happen because you are now opening up into how you think about things, which might not necessarily be how the majority of people think about things. Andy, respond if you have time. I I hope that makes sense. But I think those two are are, are related. I, I, I just think... When you are transparent, your your acumen for your job might show up and not everyone would agree with it, whether you're sounding like a smartass or not. Okay. Does that make sense, John? Yes, it does. Um, I just got a text from Tumwater. He just got on McAfee on Russo, just ripped him. Okay. He said he tried to follow up John's call and look on YouTube for a McAfee apology and couldn't find it. Huh. I don't know. I don't know what that's all about, but he couldn't. He couldn't find it, which is kind of interesting. Um, so thanks, Dave, for the update on that. And I just now learned that on this thing here we have, 
it can pick multiple winners. Perfect. So I don't have to do it twice or reload or anything. So I'm about to hit the button. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to hit the button to see who our winner is. And the winners are, there are no sound effects, which is kind of lame. Um, phone numbers that end, I don't think there's names attached to these on, on what we see. Phone numbers that end in 5732 and a phone number that ends in 6227. If that's not yours, we can't, uh, you, then, then you're not the winner. And we will text back and communicate with the winners. $50 gift cards to uh, Ace, Ace Hardware, Hardware in Corvallis. Yeah, what could you do with that money? That's uh, that's fascinating. Bit of a programming reminder. Again, tonight we'll have high school football. Crescent Valley hosting Silverton with a 6.30 pregame and a second, 7 o'clock kickoff. I'll be there. John will be here in studio. Then tomorrow, 3 o'clock for the tailgate show. Myself, John, and Doug Blair. Uh, see if we get sneaking another call here before the end of the show. Someone... Maybe it's Tumwater calling in and clarifying, but that's the the programming schedule. Six thirty tonight for high school football. Three o'clock uh, tomorrow for Beaver football. Of course, we'll have the University Honda Beaver post game call in show after the game. Was that a clarification? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I. I gotta go back back through and look at my notes and see see where I misinterpreted or got it wrong. Um, but Andy Porman is is Sue uh, Cannon Sue Porman's nephew, and she says I'd love to claim him as my own because he's fantastic. But he's my nephew, and his parents are great beavers. The point is, Andy is a beaver. He's flying the plane, and Jeff Van Orso is a beaver, and he's uh, co-piloting the plane back from Cal to uh, did he say Portland or I don't know where they're dropping him off and picking him up, but. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they're the crew, the flight crew for Saturday night's bringing teams home. And I'll tell you, the more you travel, the longer you're out there in the world of traveling with teams, the more stories there are. There was the story about a, a plane that, uh, a charter plane that, that Oregon state took to New Mexico state that Las Cruces, they win, yes. they win the game 28, 20 and, and, uh, who was it? Uh, DVD, there was another guy who, who had to uh, tell Dennis uh, the, the plane has a flat tire and they have to fly in another another tire. It's going to be a couple hours. And Dennis heaves a can of Coke <laughs> up against the wall that flies past a friend of ours' head. Stories like that uh-huh. occur with sports teams on the road. So Carol is wondering how she can watch the Orioles game tomorrow. I believe that game is on, would that be an FS1 yeah, game? They're all on one of the, the FS1s. I think or, it's oh, FS1 um, because call it, yeah, TBS. it's FS1. TBS has games now. Yeah, so TBS is the National League this year. Fox has the American League this year. And because it's a college football Saturday, right. this game will be on FS1 at 10.03 first pitch. Rangers and Orioles. You wonder how they fit them all in because they've got everything to cover. Yep. But they're still getting them in. I I think money wise and 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 advertisement wise, they hated that all four of those wild card games were sweeps. Yeah, because they missed a chance on baseball on Thursday and to, and uh, today. And, and it just made the week of wild card boring. Yeah, it wasn't even yeah necessary. It wasn't necessarily all that competitive either. Right, right. Which is unfortunate and not competitive two zero sweeps. Like I thought the Mariners series with the Blue Jays last year was pretty competitive. There were not many competitive. Uh, games in uh, in the wild card round, but it'll be exciting for Adley and company 
in Baltimore to uh, to get it going. And then I don't think Trevor Lornick made the postseason roster. I don't believe. It's, well, um, it's, yeah, um, I, I like the fact that Adley. Now that the Mariners are out of it, we can just kind of put our intention. Yeah. Towards the Orioles, I'm I'm curious if the Orioles can actually get it done. I think it's it would be really cool for Adley Adley to win the Orioles' best record in the American League this year. I I don't know. I'm gonna have to. Uh, we'll have to see if they if they can get it done. I do have my uh, skepticisms on that. I don't think we have enough time to to go over all of them. But it's uh, it's an interesting interesting matchup they have for the rest of the uh, the American League and throughout the playoffs. They will be playing at home though, no matter what. So yeah. Adley's got as good of a chance as ever. It, I wouldn't be shocked. This is the best opportunity for Adley Rutschman to to make a World Series, and that's not even trying to be disrespectful. I'm just saying winning over a hundred games doesn't come around every season, so this might be it for Adley. It'll be exciting. Getting started tomorrow again at 10:03 a.m. on Fox Sports One. All right, just a couple minutes left in today's show. Don't forget tomorrow at three o'clock we'll be on the air from right here with the Tailgate Show. Looking forward to that and. Uh... And then tonight I'll be right here in this seat at 6.30 for a 30-minute pregame show leading into Silverton at Crescent Valley tonight in our high school game of the week. Silverton, uh, Corvallis played last night and lost. Um, they played on a Thursday. I wasn't. I didn't know that was going to happen. They mm-hmm. did because they still don't have enough officials. It's getting better. It's leveling off, but they still need more officials so that they don't have to play on Thursday nights. And uh, 6A teams are doing it as well. In fact, number one ranked West Lynn, great team this year. Had to play last night as well. So, as it is, we've got our two winners. We are uh, just kind of wrapping things up here in this final minute and a half. Can you fit in in 30 seconds or 45 seconds your thought on the end of the the year now for some of these top teams in the league and what you wanted to talk about, too, looking at the schedule? Yeah, I like how it stacks up for Oregon State. I'm going to be honest. There are some really tough stretches for some of these other teams in the Pac-12 this season. I mean, USC... Uh, if I can find their schedule here really quick for, for this season. Think of this stretch for USC coming up, and, and we regard USC as one of the favorites in the conference. In a row, they play at Notre Dame versus Utah, at Cal, home against Washington, at Oregon, and home against UCLA. You're telling me they're only going to lose once in that stretch with that defense? That's Exactly. And you could say with Utah, still doesn't have Cam Rising back. Washington has a, stu- a, a tough stretch down, down the stretch run of the season. I mean, look at Oregon. Washington, Washington State, Utah, USC in a five-week span, and then Oregon State if you want to expand it to a seven-week span. That's tough. I mean, these teams are going to eat each other alive down the stretch. And if you're looking at Oregon State's schedule, I think you got to like what you see. I Absolutely agree. I wish we had more time on this. Maybe we can talk about it tomorrow on the Tailgate Show at 3 o'clock. Until 6.30 tonight, have a great afternoon, everybody. we got high school football for you tonight, college football tomorrow. That has been this edition of The Joe Beaver Show. K-E-J-O Corvallis. And translator, K-229-D-I Corvallis. The home of the Beavers. 1240 Joe Radio.